0: There's one particular artist, I am Yeah. What's your relationship with her, and how did that all come about? Because obviously she's massive now.
1: Yeah, like you've done one world of her, class.
0: You've done one of her music videos, which what top seven million views or something recently?
1: Uh, eleven
0: million. Eleven. Right. <laughs> sorry. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> gone up fast. It's growing fast. Yeah. Like, tell me about that relationship and how that all came about.
1: Yeah. So I first met Diana, which is her first name. Um, it's like my sister, man. Fucking hell! It's like talking about your family member. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I first met Diana um, when I was at the agency by Free Media um, in like the first year. So I, I can't remember how old I was, but I think she was like seventeen. She was, I think, eighteen. Um, and basically, what, what one of the the avenues the agency was going down was trying to do like a Radio One Live Lounge type scenario. So they'd kind of invite musicians from Manchester vocalists and get them to do, like, a cover in a studio environment and shoot it, um, and she was the first one. So one of the directors of the business knew her as a friend, invited her in, and got and she did, like, a Beyoncé cover. I was like, shit, this is good. This is quite, this is, like, sick. Um, got chatting to her, but, you know, she was in a different place to where I was, and it was just, like, a passing alright, and kind of met each other. On name terms and that was it boom disappeared um then that whole live lounge thing ended up not going anywhere but that's when of that, that live lounge thing i feel like that was created in my journey so i could meet her um and then i was always aware of her music and uh, stuff she was doing and then i started working with a musician from manchester called sleazy and ended up reconnecting with her again um I went. We did had a meeting one time, and she came. And I was like, "Oh, fucking hell, remember me?" Oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah. You do videos like your work. Like you do music like your work. I'm just connected, reconnected again. But three years on. Um, yeah, we just just built a friendship that you know just through the love of music again brought us together. Um, and then working with Sleazy, shot videos with him. They were then an item, boyfriend and girlfriend, they were going out, ended up seeing her a few more times, and then one one point it got she hit me up and she's like, I've got I'm working on this new project. I'm working with a producer called Diego, who I knew as well from Manchester Producer. Um so I knew it was probably you know, production wise, everything he touched was great. So I knew it was gonna sound good. She went, Do I listen to it? Um I really think you should listen to it. I feel like you could be the, the missing piece of the puzzle. I listened to it and I was like, "This is gonna go somewhere." I just knew, just from not just the music, but just the energy that she has, and you know, it did. Two coincidental things that happen for coincidence, I think, yeah. I think deep yeah. things happen for a reason, and she reconnected with me at a time where she was in a position where she wanted to prove what she could do as well as the producers was working with Diego and me at the same time it was kind of just like let's just fucking show these motherfuckers yeah, yeah, yeah. what the fucking time it is because the sound in Manchester is amazing the production in Manchester is amazing and I believe that the visuals that I'm creating are amazing so let's fuse all this together and just shoot some crazy shit awesome
2: awesome it's similar to have you seen the, doc, have you seen the <laughs> documentary The Defiant Ones on I think it's on Netflix now it was on HBO but it's about Dot Dr. Dre and his journey. Mm. It's just weird with any all of these stories, it's incredible how many coincidences, as you say, occur along the way. Yeah, it's
1: never a coincidence.
2: But the reason they've come to be because the work you've put in and it's kind of led to these weird meetings yeah, and weird moments. Yeah, because I was I
1: was finess I was like finessing the situation with the camera and I was really fine tuning my style. I was I'm still trying to find my style now, but I was before we I started working with diner I was working with a lot of musicians from Manchester, male musicians, and I always had this. I was always like, because like I love women and I respect women, and I've always got on with women really well. And every time, I've, like, because I did photography and photo shoots with models, everything I created was always great and just always looked great. I feel like I'm, I'm very respectful of how of a woman and quite. And I think I feel like I understand them quite well. And
2: should we do a separate podcast on this? Oh yes. <laughs> <Let's,
1: yeah. laughs> But I just feel like I was working with a lot of male rappers and I kind of finessed and knew how to work with males. And I thought, I need. I was working, I feel in my eyes, I was working with the best male rappers and musicians in Manchester, but there's no best female musicians. I was like, where are they? We had singers, but no one who was almost fighting back against them. I was like, I'm fucking just as good as you guys. You know what I mean? There was, there was none of that until she played this music. I was like, fuck. Like, you've really, like, you're coming with some fire from your heart and your soul. And this is not just, you're not just creating music where your friends are. You're not just creating music so you can look good in the picture. You're you're creating music because it's in your soul. And that's, for for me, that's gold, because that's where I come from. I'm creating visuals because I love what I do and it's coming from my heart and my soul. I wear my heart and my sleeve and I hope when everyone sees a visual I've created, they know that time and effort has gone into trying to finesse and create the best they can out of what I have at the time. So, the whole when we created this, shot the video and yeah, it was mad.
0: It was very mad. <laughs> How did it blow up to where it is now? Like wh-
1: We knew. We knew. Cause remember the video, like as it, as it stands now, what is it? May the what's the Tenth oh, yeah, of May, twenty eighteen. The the song came out in, like the video came out in September. Last year, so it's like it's like eight months old or something. Whatever, I'm sure mouse. we But it's only been out eight months, but obviously the video was created 12 months before that. Uh, ish. So we created the video and was sat on it and was like,
0: Why this is fucking it? ridiculous. Was that because of the record label
1: getting involved? No, but at that time there was no one involved. It was actually, in terms of the, the team and the support network and our team, it was like, Diana? She was living. She was living. With, you know, you can even watch her her um, interview she had um, unscripted live. She was homeless, living at her friends. Um, her boyfriend was you know living there sometimes and seeing her now and then. Yeah, Diego was a producer, and me, and like a, another cluster of friends around that. To sort, of, but that was it. And she did um, before we shot Shade, so the whole Hodridge project when she when she first presented it to me, I was like to shoot every single one of these because every single one is amazing and there's no other musician or no one i can see anything in, in the world apart from like beyonce who shot a full visual album to any sort of degree consistency quality or anything it's just visuals are kind of seen as a throwaway thing sometimes so i thought if we handcraft and create a bespoke package out of all this and visualize it across the whole thing this will visually this will go somewhere and the music's that good it's all going to go somewhere so we agreed, it Was was like, all right, cool, let's just take on the world, let's shoot seven music videos.
0: In one weekend. No. no,
2: no. <laughs> Not this time. We
1: shot, we shot, well, <clears throat> each video, or like say for instance, Shade, like that was shot in maybe three
0: hours, wow. four hours, the whole thing. No. <laughs> yeah. Because it was- How many run throughs do you do? Of, of the actual tracks you think in those hours?
1: Um, again, there is no there is no rules yeah. and there is no right or wrong. For me, it's all about connecting with the musician. You have to have a, a rapport with a person, you have to be friends, you have to like, love and respect each other highly to be able to trust each other enough. So I think for a musician to allow me into their creative space musically and emotionally, they have to trust you so whether that's trusting a cameraman or a director at the time it was just me. So that it's a quite a, you know, it's quite an intimate situation where a musician it's just you and them, or plus a few extras or but for the majority of the time we've worked together very close and I feel like there is, you know, you have to be able to respect each other a lot and, and be very understanding. And you know, as a creative, allowing someone into a creative space hard enough as it is, let alone singing that back to them in front of the camera. Um so in terms of run-throughs, it was very, very seamless. Like, I'd maybe two three, max. Right. Because, ter- well, obviously time restraints is one thing. But also I feel like if you overcook something, it just falls apart anyway. Yeah. I feel like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to do a million takes to get it right. I think if you're coming from it from a technical camera operating perspective, you'd want to shoot it technically correct and constantly keep going, going, going until you've got it but because I was covering so many people's roles.
0: I was thinking in terms of coverage, to get enough angles, to be able to cut it, to go with the pace I was shooting the of the theme of
1: music. I was shooting for the edit, yeah. in my mind. I knew what, the, I kind of knew, it's weird, like, listen to the song, and I kind of know what it needs, I kind of like, listen to the song, close my eyes, and I can see the cut, it's like, right, let's go. <laughs>
2: <Yes. laughs> it's Casey yeah. just stands yeah. in a corner, zones out from <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Literally, like, any music video I've shot, I've probably listened to the song a hundred times before, and... I know every single word every lyric every drop I know the BPM I know everything about the whole song I've analysed the whole song like I'm not a music producer but I understand music more than some not some producers but some people mm. I think so you have to, to you really have to it. if you don't cause you uh, got to how, how can I step into a room and confidently say to you I'm going to make you a great music video if I don't even give a shit about your music or don't even understand it I need to understand how you felt when you were writing it otherwise how am I going to visualise it Yeah, that's the only way you can do it that's one song on her album, on sorry, it's not an album, on her EP um, called More. And that one's a very emotional song. And even on that, like, on the day, she had an argument with her boyfriend. I had an argument with my girlfriend. We hired an Airbnb. And we just both went into this shoot, pissed off, we've emotionally about something, and then that emotional turmoil from us both and that energy created an emotional video, and whoever watches it gets touched by it. And I feel like if you're not if you're not stepping into a project, being emotionally attached to it, then you're only there for the money, or you're there for the, the wrong reasons. You should if you. So that's why now I won't touch a project that I'm going to put my name to that I, that I can't understand or be emotionally attached to. I white label myself and do bits of shooting here and there, and no one ever knows about it. But anything that I'm going to put my name to and and show up you know, as part of my creative journey, I feel like. You have to be able to be emotionally invested in it
0: yeah so what led you to la how did that all come about was it is it from this video do you think
2: yeah, yeah. so you had this journey with diana we'll share her videos in our uh, yeah hope, show we'll hopes have, as well so, yeah, yeah please so people can watch it um but yeah so from this point you've taken this journey how does it transition to this these opportunities yeah
1: well it was mad at the time because obviously we shot her project and nothing was out but i'm still actively working with all the other musicians in manchester and just grafting, and chipping away wherever i could trying to pay my bills and buying kit you know what i mean so you know in terms of the business side of it i wanted to get to a position where i didn't have to keep hiring stuff all the time all the
0: time <laughs> so every, just driving to the hire houses enough for me fucking
1: hell like i was spending thousands a month hiring kit and thinking fuck this could yeah. be my money, it's dead money, but it was allowing me to produce content on a level that unless I wanted to work for like big production companies like Chief, no one else was really touching me really in, what I, in my world and what I was trying to protect and grow. So all I was doing was trying to inspire other creatives. So what kit I had, I was trying to hire to other people and let them use it and try and give noise to other people. So before I actually, after I stopped hiring my Ronin from ProCam, Rick Bailey started letting me hire his Ronin. Like for a really ridiculously cheap rate. So I was hiring Rick's Ronin off him for about six months, and he was like, fucking hell, mate, just buy your own. Like, I've, I've, you've paid for mine twice now. <laughs> I, just, I can't just use it for nothing, like, you dick. Yeah. I can't be out of no more. You bought two for me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck's sake. So I didn't ended up, so I bought a Ronin, what's that, like 1,500 quid. Yeah. Obviously, that's a lot of money when you're trying to pay your bills on freelance and get money. So, every every opportunity I had to take money out, anytime once I wanted to pay my bills, anything else I had was on my bank it I never went out, didn't do anything. Literally, bedroom or on the street shooting a music video. You've never seen me, ever. That was like, what, eight months of just, not less, just grafting every day like killing myself yeah. physically and mentally but that's that's what it takes um and then yeah grafting grafting then managed to get fs5 save it for that bought an fs5 outright i was like fuck yes yeah, so i'm me on camera now i've got a rowing and i started boom 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 put pieces together with this kit so i was doing i was trying to build them a kit because i knew once all her stuff goes out there's going to be a demand somewhere it has to be so I know how fucking cool it is and how sick it is. So while I was working with her, I was obviously working on other music video projects um, and working, hitting up agencies because now I had a portfolio music videos, but it was so cool as fucking. It looked better than the fashion video that they've got. So they were like, I'll oh, well, hire you instead. And that's kind of how before all this America opportunities and these record label opportunities come, I was still trying to prove myself in this space in Manchester. And then that started attracting other freelancers. Going, oh, your stuff's pretty cool. Can I come and operate for you on a shoe? And you're right, mate. I'll edit your stuff for you, and and just my network just started to grow organically. And I was just like, yes, I've got someone. Someone actually likes my stuff enough to actually want to help me. So i was just there fighting my own corner for months on my own.
2: Like, I think it becomes an attractive feature when people see how hard you're working. In. in- you, that attracts different people who are on the similar mission who just yeah. want to achieve cool well, things. Well, it's mad
1: because I don't know. Like, as a creative, like you have this really weird situation where you shoot something, you love it, and then you hate it at the same time. I'm very critical, so I was creating great videos and pointing out, people like, "Oh, it's amazing!" Like I was like, I "Fucking hate it inside." Someone's like, "Oh, you're right, mate. I love your work." I'm thinking, I "Fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. <laughs> it's nowhere near where I want to be." In my mind, I'm projecting myself to the world level of the best of whatever I can be. I will push myself until I get there. And when people are like, praising you and saying, Oh, your video is amazing. Like, I'm thinking, that's nothing. Like I did that on bare bones. did that on my own in the street. You think it's got a powerhouse behind it. It's not. It's just me on my own. So that was the turmoil that I was in. Was When people approached me, I was very like, reluctant to let people involved because I thought, they're going to come and see actually how primitive it actually is and not want to get involved
2: where's the out. crew what time's the crew turn yeah. <laughs> yeah where's breakfast I, what's Kate, catering like I'm not at for days like then
1: um, it's literally like I was reluctant to let people in because one because I've incubated and created this baby of an image and this style I didn't want to let anyone tamper with it and help me shoot something and not look how I wanted it to be because it would affect my next job because then people would think it wouldn't but it wasn't the same and it now become factorised and it was very far away what it's I like, so I held on to it as long as I could. Um, and look at and then I thought I got to the point where it was like, right, I need to like create I need to create a business out of this. I need to create a production We I need to do something. But I hated the whole production company mindset and I just hated the idea of it. So I thought, wait a minute, I've got a network of people around me, like some of the best people in Manchester. All the emissions operators Everyone from a crew, why not, just, why not just create a visual collective out of my network? And that's, what, that's where I came with the concept of Clash Productions. And the word Clash for me, I was messing around with a name for it and I thought okay, what do you think? What's my initials? Okay, Casey Lock, KL, let's start with that. And that was on, I had on my war for ages, like KL, KL Films! Yeah. <laughs> Kale Media. And I give a shit. I'm, I'm here to clash people, step on people's toes, yeah. and prove a point. I'm gonna clash, and that's where it came from.
2: It's interesting how that's almost stemming from your story. <laughs> yeah, it's all about just great venting. I thought I'm just gonna create something that I can just vent through. Have you heard of that? I think it's a Frank Sinatra. I love I love the I love my quotes. It's a Frank Sinatra quote. Yeah, <laughs> quote where he goes, "The greatest revenge is massive success." And it almost feels that very much applies. Yeah, because
1: I thought, I thought, I'm not going to think of a name. Not wherever. in a malicious way, no, no, no. but just to show. It's creative venting. Like You have yeah. to vent your frustration. Some people do it in the gym. Some people do it in other gym. I just had to do it like, into my work. Cause that's all I had.
0: Did you get any backlash from sort of bashing out all these really great-looking music videos for 200 quid? Backlash. From other creatives? Was there any people who... Mocked your journey or what you were doing or you know the content you're putting out or anything like that was it? I feel like everyone like
1: embraced it. I was, I was like cutting my hands. I was doing it for cheap slash no money slash breaking even slash nothing. Sometimes someone would say, "I've got." Two hundred pound, five, three hundred pound for a video. I will just spend that on hiring Kit and making someone look good for them, because I just, I just love their attitude and just love them as a person.
2: That's really good.
1: Without telling them, yeah. Without telling them, I was doing that video for free, and yeah. they didn't even know.
2: Yeah, because there's a real big debate, especially within our industry, in terms of like how much people should be getting paid. And I've exactly, seen, on, yeah. I see on Facebook groups when someone posts like a junior job or whatever. And then they just get battered in the comments. Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. probably the snobbier people who've yeah, been around yeah. toes. My approach to it wasn't to
1: offend or undercut or attack or damage anyone or hurt anyone or take money from people. Mine was more like there's no one feel, there's no one facilitating what these guys like. Imagine you listen to a song and you know it's world class and amazing, and you know if that had the right video and the right obviously there are elements to it, but if we're going basic terms, like what a, what a consumer sees, they hear it and they see it. So if a great sound and a great vision, people are going to be attracted to it. And it will, I knew what my worth was and how much I should be charging or I should be earning, but the people and in the, in the industry that was in Manchester and the infrastructure was not there to be able to afford 10 grand music videos. Some guy was sat in his bedroom producing music day in and day out, trying his best killing himself in his bedroom to make music, to somehow chase his dream of making music, he can't pull 10 grand out of his house and pay, pay a production company. Yeah. And the ones who did have money and were able to pay music videos fell into the factory of a production company. Hi, you're right. Yes, email, please. Yeah. This is this person. Here's your invoice. And it's very factory. It's very... You're just a number now. You're just, It's almost like you step into this corporate world where you treat, you treated very differently. Yeah. And not that whole creative juice and fusion of what it should be in the whole creative the whole creative process was kind of just like regimented and fell apart. And the videos that are coming out just look like although the camera operators have shot something it's been passed to an editor who doesn't give a shit about the music and he just passed it, turned it out and it's gone back out. And that's what I was seeing. That's not everywhere. I'm not trying to offend anyone no, in the no, world. No, no. No, no. But the people I was working with and what I was looking at and what I as a consumer was seeing was that. So I was trying to just do a service to them, visually. Because I knew eventually someone will see and think, fuck me, that's good. That, there's somebody make it make me one now. And that's
2: what that's it grew to. It's a real honest approach. Right? That's really cool. I mean, how as we said before, how does it lead to kind of what you're doing now, what you've recently done with L.A. Air? I can't pronounce the name, but L.A.?
1: <laughs> Air. Yeah, yeah. So London
0: artist, but chose to shoot out in LA.
1: Yeah. So well, the ala the the Air music video was shot in Portugal, and the Luna George one was shot in LA. Ah, oh, right. So two different okay. yeah. but such. Um, so ba- basically, it's just fucking graft, hard work. So if you think when I when I first left the agency, I had nothing. No no visual presence, no website, no what, nothing. So I thought, how am I going to attract business? So a lot of people who listen to this now think, how the fuck do I get work? Like, how am I, how am I going to attract these big jobs? How am I going to attract any business whatsoever, whatever sector I'm in? How do I do it? And obviously, by working at agency and understanding how marketing works and how to create an image and a brand and brand awareness, I, I knew. I, I've already learned how to promote and sell other brands. I just need to apply it to myself. So I thought, because obviously the, the people I'm working with, it's, it's, you know, no one I knew I was working with was above 30. Everyone was 20s, 18s, everyone's very young and everyone's very in with the times. Like social media is massive. And I feel like, like now 90% of my work is through Instagram. I don't even have a website. Clash Productions doesn't even have a website. It will have one. Because I've got too much content now to f- I need, to, I, need a, I need a home, but up until right, right now, like I'm working with Sony and Univer- Sony, um, Warner Music, like all these record labels, like biggest record labels in the world, and they never said to can see a website. They're saying fuck me, our Instagram is cool. <laughs> How much? <laughs>
2: That's interesting. Yeah. Take that wow. everyone who says you need a website. Actually, yeah.
1: Obviously, different sector corporate. Yeah, if you're trying to win over a business director. A director of business, he's got to convince a board of people to give you access to money to create something. I understand you need something very clean, corporate, information-led. Boom, boom, boom. someone likes to, some people like to be read about what they're going to get before they get it. I Understand that. But for me, that's what a contract's for. I don't need to put a contract on a website. But from a, for me being a creative and being trying to pioneer my own style and my own what I'm trying to do, the only platform I had was Instagram. There's only a platform that I could facilitate what I wanted to do. Sure. I didn't want to create a dysfunctional website which couldn't do... I'm not a coder, I'm not a web designer. Wix. I think inside. it's shit. It does, it mean, Squarespace it, is good, but it's still restrictive. It's only until the last couple of years where Google actually starts liking it now to put it in the right place. But I didn't want to try and fight a Google battle of who's page one. I don't give a shit about that. Like, If someone, if someone likes you, work, they'll find you. But I do understand as well if someone's looking for an operator in a certain area and they search for it. If you're a both, you're going to win the work over them because they can find you first. I do understand that, and that is a way to generate business. But I was a start. I was starting off, and I couldn't compete with people who were spending money to be on Google. Like, I had no money.
2: How did these labels find you? Like, you Warner Music, you Sony's? Is that through just Instagram and the hype and the momentum you've built? Then,
1: yeah, <laughs> cool. Literally all. Through, I don't have it. There's no other way you can find me online. Obviously, have since I've had write-ups in magazines. Now, obviously, certain platforms want to know who I am and what I'm doing and who I'm working with and the great people and musicians, everything that I'm surrounded by now and this whole network of cool shit in Manchester. You know, labels and stuff, and magazines, sorry, are hitting me up for interviews and writing stuff and wanting to know about shit. But the the only way people can contact me is for Instagram. Go on Instagram, press contact, it pushes into an email and you hit me up through that, that's it. So every inquiry I've had from record labels is from Instagram. So someone somewhere has gone, fuck, this is cool. Look at that. Oh, a video commissioner. Oh, shit, that's gangster.
2: (laughs) Let's go. The Instagram page is really cool. It's impressive. Because when I left left the agency,
1: I knew the only platform I had to vent everything I was making wasn't in one place. And I thought, I I don't want to use Instagram as a blog. Then I don't want to use it as a there's me through the camera because everyone's got better cameras than me. I don't want to be stood next to my car because everyone's got a better car than me. I don't like the way I look on pictures. I didn't... The, I thought... Is I'm that right. why you grew a beard to hide your face? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but for, I don't, it's not me. Like, people who know me know that's kind of not me in that way. I'm not... I don't brandish, oh, look at this cool camera. Well, I don't give a fuck. Like, it's all the gay, no idea. And someone can have the best camera in the world, but if they shit, they're shit. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather be good and have nothing. Or at least... Agreed entry-level good in my world because there's people in the world who are amazing creatives who are good at both things good at everything um, but for me i just had an instagram page and i thought how can i stylize this to look attractive to people who want to pay me to do the same things so i just again vent in through a load of it i thought i need to put more than three images in, together in one post let's create a line no let's try and sandwich them together to create two in one for it and chop stuff within Photoshop because I'm not a designer and just threw it in and thought well it's not look bad
2: (laughs) (laughs) it looks very smart it doesn't look very smart
1: yeah and then kind of every time I did a poster just whatever image I created I took a few stills out the project tried to fuse it into something to feel a certain way when I felt it looked good I just put it out and then forgot about it and just kept creating it and throwing it away create it throw it away create it throw it away and now it's like I've been doing that for two years
0: You've got oh, a decent following now, haven't you? What what are your numbers? Not that it's um, massive about numbers, but I'm just curious.
1: Now I'm on I got I hit like ten thousand followers on Instagram, like oh, last sorry. week. What's the week before. your Instagram? It's KC dot Yeah, so it's kilocharlie dot lock. L O C K E K C
2: Lock. There you
1: go, folks. Check it out. Um but literally that's just a purest, raw example of me creating my own style, demonstrating my work online in a way that I've felt was attractive and in turn has generated an alright-ish following. And obviously, it's not just by putting things in Instagram, putting a hashtag on, hoping it gets a like, because you'll be sat there for years trying to do that. But it's I feel like Instagram, for me, has been the end point of the journey. So to attract people to that point, obviously, yes, hashtags work, but also tagging in the, tagging the musicians who you're working within. Getting, not getting them to, but hopefully if they like you work, they'll tag you in it. It's almost this tagging infrastructure that you create and the spider web of
0: Yeah it's just well, bouncing off each other, well, isn't it? Off each yeah, of those markets. Yeah.
1: You know, it's take it took ages. It took like two years to go from like five hundred following to ten thousand, like two years.
0: Yeah. How frequently do you post?
1: Um well my actual I've got like I always try and have twenty strips in the bag so I can drop them whenever I want. But I don't, I only drop them when I feel like it's right, and that sounds really stupid, and probably social media executives and managers will be like, you fucking idiot, you (sighs) don't even (sighs) (sighs) know how Instagram works, should be posted this time at seven o'clock. If you want to be technical, there is something you can Google that will probably tell you that's a good time. All the analytics and insights into the Instagram now do show you when you should post or when you could post or when you need the most engagement. But I just post whenever I feel like it. In the moment, Twice a
2: week, maybe, because I'm busy. And with the advent of stories as well, you were kind of all over that.
1: Yeah, so yeah, stories for me. That's if people want to see what I'm doing day to day, go to my story. Don't you're not going to go to my Instagram page and see me posting where I am in the world per post. I think my Instagram is the art gallery of what I'm creating, my work, my the final piece, all parts of my journey. Um, Recently, I've started trying to do a bit more behind the scenes esque style posts of cool shit, Camera, starting to bring cameras in more because I'm working with kit that I feel happy to share now. I'm not running around with DSLR trying to be the best in the world because, you know, now I'm slowly starting to let people in a bit more to the team and showing people that it's not just me now, there is more of us and hopefully shedding light on what everyone else is doing around me,
2: putting them on as well. Now you are sort of at that level with the red cameras, aren't you, So. a as-
1: yeah, because now I'm now I'm in the the situation where I can actually hire a camera yeah. and, and afford to be able to spend a thousand pound of my budget for one day's worth of camera kit. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm in the position now where I can do that. So why not show it off, but in the right way?
0: Yeah. What's What's it like in terms of directing sort of the the underground grime artists mm. of Manchester versus the higher end higher end stars like Luna George? How did that How does that feel? The difference. Yeah, like in terms of you as a director, do you, do you treat them any differently? Do they treat you any differently? What's the relationship like? This is like going to let people into a massive thing,
1: but I'll just tell people because it's people need to know. But it's actually easier doing bigger videos than it is smaller. <laughs> oh, right.
2: You said what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. In, easier in what way?
1: Um, so imagine the situation. So you're shooting a music video for artist X in Manchester. Um, He's, you know, he loves music, he creates music. He's, you know, all his friends make music. Some of his friends get shows, some of them don't. But he just, he's just he got a bit of money, he wants a music video. So he brings, you know, the, the the journey. So he hits you up from, oh, you bro, we want music video, cool. However, that customer journey, or client journey, if you want to call it, that happens, you shoot a video, you know, he turns up an hour late. Sorry, mate, I was, couldn't get out of bed in time. All right, cool. So you wait around for an hour for them to turn up, they turn up. I need to get my hair cut before I can shoot. All right, so they disappear for two more hours. You know, they're not asked. Yeah. They love the yeah. product and they'll, they'll sell you to the high hills to all the friends, but do they give a shit about you? No, you're just the guy you'd have hired who's current at the time. Right. That's what it feels like sometimes. No, not all the time. But that's one example of... And then you have to then not hate them for just taking a piss out of you for three hours. Because, I'm you know... I understand everyone's got their own situations and I'm very understanding so yeah we get to the point where you can sat there for two hours and waiting wait in three hours maybe and then you shoot then it's like right let's shoot a video so you've set up all your gimbal and done everything and set up your lighting start doing shots and you know someone's his phone rings halfway through and he's like oh one minute bro yeah yeah I'll be 20 minutes I'm thinking you're not going to be 20 minutes because it's going to be at least two hours but someone's going to be 20 you know it's just the whole mentality and respect of you as a creative and a director and I just look at the front of the window you're the videographer Literally, that's all you are. Um And the opposite end of the scale, when you're working on, you know, an expensive music video for a record label shooting in Los Angeles, you then put into a situation where people actually respect what the fuck you do. <laughs> You've got, you know, people, not just respect the way they treat you or whatever, which is, a, people do do that because you're hiring them, but you put in a, You put in a situation where people are trying to fulfil your vision and they're all there set to help you. Like You mean crew? Yeah, crew. Crew and also the musician has a big say in why you're even there. You know, if I'm shooting a music video for LR if you didn't want me to be there I wouldn't be there. Yeah, Yeah. If I was a musician, I wouldn't want some random director to shoot me because someone said they have to. So so they are the big same, you know, of course. Given you know,
2: that, you mentioned before, sorry Cal, it's like you said before, like, it's important to have that really strong relationship with the musician. Yeah. Given that these people are relatively strangers, you don't really know them that well. Is it quite easy for you to hit it off? And
1: I think that's probably the, for me, that's probably the scariest part, is trying to have that build that rapport with someone instantly. Because when, you, when you're working on, like, Alare music video that we shot in Portugal like you're literally flying in
2: you
0: met her before the shoot right? no oh shit
1: no because obviously she was touring she's an active musician touring so she was touring Europe while pre- pre-production was happening obviously she's seen the treatment treatments was um, got obviously went through treatment on like Skype and stuff and spoke to her that in that respect but even in them situations when you're speaking to a musician it's not you're not sat down in a room chatting, having a drink, getting to know each other. You're talking over Skype, and there's six other people all on the call, and everyone's listening to what you've got to say. Yeah. So, what about this? Well, you know, so what you're gonna do, what's this? What's this shot going to look like? And you're literally like selling, your, you know, selling your idea, and selling your dream and your vision. To a, to a stranger at that point. Um, so that's one thing you have to deal with. Um, and then obviously, then you're flying in schedule of you so i flew in um i flew in with some of the crew and then started prepping she flew in and it was like boom right shot one let's go met her on the shoot right like i am case the director hi, i'm ella boom and there's literally that's probably the most scariest part is when you meeting someone the first time and have to create a rapport with them instantly i feel like i'm because I'm, I'm quite. I feel like I'm an approachable person, and I come across the right way. Inside, I was like, "Fuck me, this is, this is pretty scary." Like, it's scary. is scary. It is scary I'm not gonna lie. Having 'cause because obviously you have to meet someone instantly, and they have to be able to trust, trust you instantly to create the vision and fulfill what you're saying you can fulfill. So I think that can be quite daunting. I think.
2: I was gonna say, did you feel that pressure that these are household names, these are big labels?
1: Yeah, I think from the outside, you do think fucking. I'm working with big record labels, big musicians who've got big reports and millions of views behind them, and loads of fans. And if this goes wrong, I'm never gonna be able to shoot a video for any label again because I'll get outlawed. (laughs) So everything goes for your mind, doesn't it? No, No, everything goes for your mind. Like you're human, aren't you? Um, But once, I feel like if you're, if you again, if you wholeheartedly believe in your idea, nothing can nothing's gonna phase you. I mean, you can be scared about things, but that's just anticipation and you just, cause you're just so emotionally invested and you just love it and you just want it to work so well. That's where that fear and passion all kind of mold into one and just becomes like a force. And I feel like that force, the force. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wield when I'm on a shoot. That's when I'm on a, like, me now and me on a shoot is very different. When I'm on a shoot, I don't even think about human things, like. Like eating or nothing. I'm just zoned on when I'm directing something. Like when I was in Portugal, I was literally just switched on. Like I've just had a limitless pill, boom. And because of because of my knowledge of a production, how it works from the start to the finish, and because I understand how to use a camera, understand how to expose an image, understand what lighting means, and what gaffer, I know what every single thing does. And because the actual shoot itself wasn't just hired as a director, I was hired to produce it as well. So I used my production company, Clash, to produce the whole project. So I hired and fired whoever I wanted to be who I trusted, brought everyone in who I trusted to help me fulfill the dream. So I knew the nuts and bolts for everything. So when I stepped onto the shoot, I knew everything was going to run smooth because I made sure everything, everything was perfect. I chose the lenses I wanted, I chose the camera I wanted, I chose the lights that I wanted, I chose the location, I chose the dancers, I chose every single thing I chose.
2: Be you on camera yourself, or do you have a separate DP? So
1: well, this was the first time I let a DP hold the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> suppose, no, this first, it's literally like because I was so it was my baby. And I thought, fuck, I'm, going, I'm I'm, moving into a big budget music video. I'm gonna have to let someone else use the camera. Like i was shitting myself.
2: Because I hear when it comes to these sort of scenarios, that a, a label will often, if it's someone who's relatively unknown, they'll trust a, a well-known DP. They know it's gonna look
1: good. Yeah, I think the mentality is if their actor shit, then at least a DP will make it look good and they can probably save it in the edit. Yeah. I think that's yeah. that's a safety net for any, any label, I think. Um, but because the usual format for winning a music video off a label to my knowledge and to what I've been I've learned now over the last like year or so is a record label, have a marketing strategy, blah blah blah, they need a music video doing, cool. So they have video commissioners who work for the labels. And their full time role is to get a video done. Delivered by delivery date and it goes on YouTube and that's your job done. There's your paycheck. They get a budget to produce they say, Right, you've got a, m we've got a song for you, thirty thousand pounds to create a video it need. We need to. Take, we need it going out in four weeks. Go. If you don't, you sacked. If you fuck up, you sat. So they're under a lot of pressure. So they. So then, what they do to make their life easier? They'll have a network of production companies, proven production companies that they've worked with for years. So they'll then offer this song out to be written for. So they'll. They'll hit up. 10 other production companies that they work with or agents or um, organisations which represent directors. So if it's, a record, if it's a production company or say it's all the same thing, they'll hit them up. So they'll go boom, boom, boom. Hi, we've got this song we need a video for. The production company will come back and say, okay, great. We've got these six music video directors in our books. I think these two of them will fit this style. I'll ask them to write. Is that all right? Yeah, cool. I'll get them to write. So they could have 15 people all writing for one job and then 15 treatments get submitted. The video commissioner goes, yeah, all oh, them are shit. Okay, these five are good. These are worth, these five are worth showing my boss so I don't get laughed out of the office. All right, cool, what do you think of these five? And then the management inside level go, uh, them, two, them two are all right, let's show them to the artist manager and see if they give a shit about it or not. The artist manager looks at it and goes, yeah, these two are cool. Um, I'll show it to the artist, the artist goes, yeah, I like these. And then it goes back down, to the company, the production company, and they go, then hit the director up and go, they like this. They said they like it, but they don't like these three parts. Can you can you revise the treatment or can you tweak it, or they might just love it straight away and say let's go. Then they'll be like, right, cool. Can you cost it? Give us a breakdown of how you're going to spend my 30 grand, down to every penny, and how quickly you can turn it around, and why you want to shoot in this country, where they want everything, They're spending money, they want everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the usual. Then obviously, then the video goes into production. They might release partial funds to start pre production. You settle the date, sign contract, the video gets shot, gets delivered within the timeline, in the time frame, if it doesn't, you you'll get shut down. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Deliver the video at the right time, it goes out, boom. That's kind of the round trip of how it happens in the industry at the moment. Mm-hmm. But for me, I just got a knock on the door and said, You're cool, you're like, we really like we've watched we've seen what you're doing, you know, we've we've had a few treatments so basically how i think how i was picked up a couple of ways was other directors have seen my work and referenced my work in treatments and then labels have forth i've seen that still a couple of times where is that from yeah. <clears throat> found me and at the same time heard B.'s music and seen how well that's going and labels and ars just like fuck me this is like blowing up out of nowhere it's been nine months and she's got 11 million views she's doing ridiculous shows touring the world like she's going crazy independent taking over the world what the fuck we need some of this cool you know what I mean? we need to figure out creatively how this is happening like who's, who's behind all this and that's kind of how it's Sick. how it's happened so rather than me having to fight through this whole battle of me and 15 directors all wrestling each other to try and win a 30 grand job or whatever 50 grand or 10 grand or whatever the job is they just hit me up directly and said do I write for this because we like you and we want to give you an opportunity to create something for someone cool. The artist likes your work. The artist already knows about you or seen your work or in one opportunity, the artist has requested you because they like your shit.
2: I must feel confident. So that, at that point,
1: that was the first time in my whole career where I thought, fucking hell, people actually like my stuff. They're not just chatting shit to me in the street or like <laughs> giving me a like on Instagram. Like Someone actually... It's stupid, though, because you feel like someone from a credible source, like a record label, has to... Implore, has to give give you a seal of approval to make you think like you're good. That's how I was like. You shouldn't be like that. But I feel like you have to go through that whole thing and get to the point when you're working for a label to realise or get have the self confidence and self belief to realise that you're valuable or your your creativity is worth something. So it wasn't until that point where I actually stopped hating my work. I actually start thinking, oh, people might actually like it. It's stupid <laughs> to think, but.
2: I've always been very self-critical. One quick thing, do you, do you find yourself having to write treatments now, or is it, you feel you kind of, what's, I'm trying to think, towards wrapping this up, what do you think the future holds and future work for yourself? And um, So at the moment, my
1: main priority, which will always be, in, and which has led me on this journey and got me to the point I am now, is working with Diana yeah. INDDB. Um, she, working with her is my priority over anything creative wise just because of you know the the friendship the love we have for each other Um, even just the creative repertoire we have and just the journey that we're on like I can't I wouldn't sell my soul scribbling away on treatments trying to win a job against 15 other directors just because they think I'm hot topic right now because next week there'll be someone else who's done another create something else who's just cool and they want to rip that off and recreate that for themselves. That's what, you know, a lot of the levels are doing, is they're all trying to compete with each other to look the best, but the a higher and higher the can to get there. Where I feel like, for me, carrying on working with Diana, this journey that we're on, is changing the way people approach visuals, from how it's changing the way people approach sound, and her own music side of things as well, which we haven't talked about because it's that's her own world that she can talk about and there's a lot of interviews that she goes deep into that. Um, but, yeah, my journey really is continuing working with her and continuing the journey that have started, which, you know, will span probably for the rest, the rest of my life, creatively, I reckon. Um, and off the back of that exposure and you know recognition, continue to build Clash Productions and hopefully create a new generation and a new roster of, in my eyes, the best talent in the world coming out of Manchester, yeah. and have you know a strong foundation where graphic designers can be world as world scale as they want to be, and or videographers and video directors, and have a roster of ridiculous talent because in, for me Manchester is the creative capital. It is. It's just been overshined for shown for a while, but there's a lot of ridiculous type people in Manchester I was thinking yeah.
2: like, it, you, you, people say places like London but a lot of the M- Manchester talent has had to go to London because that's yeah, where it's at yeah. but, but I think now cause...
1: make your own rules the internet Yeah, is, the world's very small you don't have to be in London you do have to be into labels but it's a quick train
2: yeah it's going to be a quicker train hopefully <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think yeah,
1: my, my plan really is to allow Clash to be the vessel to help shine light on everyone that I know who I respect and think are cool and creative and you know people like yourselves who have got their own companies and businesses but you know give you opportunities to work with me and work with each other and just keep this whole network and infrastructure of people allowing people to step into their space and not being closed doors and not thinking someone's gonna steal your client and not thinking that people you know people are out to wrong you because I think if you just stay true and keep your intentions pure-hearted and only Give knowledge. So if you if you give someone knowledge, they'll be loyal to forever. If you drip feed someone knowledge and keep them in the of a tether and dangle a carrot, they'll just stab you in the back. Mm.
2: I think we're all in it together in this. Have to be business, yeah, so to speak. Given what you are achieving now, what would you have said? What would you kind of say to that person when you just left ey Free and you were like, "I have nothing. I'm a bit scared here. What's going to happen?" what would advice would you give to that person? And also to people in general who have got these big ambitions that want to go out and do really cool things, what would you offer to them?
0: Uh,
1: if I didn't exist and Clash didn't exist, I would probably say something different which i say but I feel like if someone is in a situation where they're feeling like that, just hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> hit me up because I know how hard it is. And any, if I could give you advice or even just meet you for a coffee, or even like... Um I'll give you an example. Um, one of my very good friends now, Jamil. Um, friend editor, on The editor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well he edits, but his skill set is far beyond just an editor. Um, he's an entrepreneur as well. Um but op- for instance, you know, I was at Parklife Life last year, which this year it's what, July the sixth? June the sixth? June the ninth, sorry, June tenth? I met him last year at Park Life. He said, oh, he went, oh, I love your work. My name is Jamil. Approached, came across really well, really well spoken. He was like, I really like what you're doing. Is anywhere any way I can get involved somehow? And I said, yeah, cool, send me some of your work. He sent me a Google Drive full graphic design, 3D animation, self-shot stuff, edited stuff. And I thought, like, what? All this? I was like, I just thought he's like me. Straight away, I thought, he's... He's on this, he's a grafter, so um, I hit him up and I just said, let's meet up and that. So I met him and he told me his story. He's like, my name's Jamil, I'm from Germany. Um, I've, I've lived in the UK since I was like four, 12, 14. He's probably going to kill me now because I've said he's the wrong... But in a nutshell, he, where he's, he said he's um, living in the UK. He's finished university. Um, his mum lives in Germany. He's in Manchester on his own. Um, he's working in Footlocker full time, and he sends his mum half of his wage a month in Germany because she's wasn't very well or isn't very well. Or, you know just he look after your parents like you do. What, what a guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm trying to somehow carve something out of what I'm doing. I don't know how to, to do it. How how I'm going to do it? I don't really know anyone. And I was like, all right, cool. I respect you. You're a cool person. I want to help you, but I'm not. I don't want to help you by just letting you, letting you sit in the background and edit stuff for me and you never meet anyone you're just in the corner and do all my work for me and i just use it as a little, just take the piss out of you and use it as a factory like I was used for or the way I felt to be used when I was an agent so I thought, you're not going to get that. I can't treat you like that because I wouldn't like to be treated like that. So I said, I'll bring you in to the team. I'll introduce you to everyone that I know. I'll allow you to edit all my music videos. I'll pay you well. I won't take money off you. And... Just be loyal and be a part of this journey because it will change your life because if enough people are on the table who all believe in the same thing things will happen and he said I'm down and within a month he quit Foot Locker replaced his earnings tenfold and now he's pretty much with him every day full time editing he's editing doing graphic animation he's, he's he shoots now i've taught him how to shoot he's got his own style he does bts and his career path now will be moving forward into directing and hopefully doing bigger and better things than i've ever done and that's what i'll do for anyone who wants to put the life on the line to make things work because i think if you want something to work you've got to commit to it fully but at the same time if i didn't exist and someone wanted to ask the question or if i wanted to tell myself my younger self yeah what would I do if I just was left university so. um,
2: just, just in Saturday that unit. position yeah, you yeah, when you don't know where you are and yeah. you are
1: really lost I feel like best thing I would say to do is stick to your guns do do what you what makes you happy creatively if you shoot something a certain way and you like it just fucking keep doing it because it will create value eventually it might take a year it might take two years but if you consistently keep hammering in one spot and keep creating your own style on what you do. Whether you like it straight away or people tell you it's shit or you think someone's better than you. Don't waste your life watching someone else do something because you never do what they do. They're on a, a complete separate journey. Someone might your best friend might win a million pounds tomorrow and buy every camera in the world. I'm not gonna change them creatively, it's just gonna put them in a different position and a different part of their journey. But if you just stick to your journey and stay true to what you do and approach every situation with, with love and respect people and don't try and navigate through life to gain financially over someone and hurt someone you'll be fine 100 percent. but career-wise what i probably would do if i was in manchester now leaving university i'd probably just buy a follow focus system and be a camera assistant and for every single person shooting because no one really is selling themselves as a freelance camera assistant to any degree where they're just a gangster camera assistant or, or a focus puller. There's a massive gap for it right now. People like people to just help shoot shit, but wanna, you know, people who want to like some people that like, I've met that have like, hired bigger shoots, they are just ca- focus pullers or camera assistants and they all that's all they want to do and they love it. And it's like even the people I was working with ballet, this, this lad was like 19 years old and he's been focus pulling since like 15. He was amazing and he's earning dollar and work on the biggest shoot biggest sets in la focus pulling create people need to start looking at production and don't just say i want to be a video director or i want to be a videographer start as a focus pull learn every single thing Create all the contacts and then tell all your friends and the contacts oh, i want to start directing and build your career that way don't try and jump in saying you're a video director when you've got no experience and people you kind of fight in this whole circle of everyone's everyone can call themselves a director or something on Instagram and show the friend that I'm a video director But oh. well, it takes a lot more than just putting on Instagram to actually be successful in it so I feel like if you can learn how production works in the background early on before you call yourself a director you can have bigger network bigger following and just a lot more knowledge in the area to to really drive through and be what you want to be if that's what you want to be
0: Amazing!
2: Awesome, man! That's a, awesome! It's a great
0: way to finish. Uh, yeah, an epic podcast. It oh, was. It was epic, gorgeous. but
2: it was very inspiring. So thanks very much. Yeah.